Welcome back. Well, before the break, we began discussing two major camps as to what proper prayer looks like. Let's go deeper into this topic. Here's Pastor George. So again, Christians in the Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox traditions use common prayer, a liturgical form of prayer. Many modern Protestants look at this liturgical prayer and they see it as stiff, impersonal, rote, disengaged, and probably not honored by God. Mere ritual. To such Protestants, Jesus is best friend and Savior. The Father is Abba, and the Holy Spirit is the power present to act and meet needs. Why would they want to pray to such an intimate God with anything other than a spontaneous outpouring of their hearts? Now, I've described these differences between Protestants and Roman Catholics and Orthodox a bit in the extreme, but I know you can see my point. We are raised up in or adopt a stream of church tradition that we find familiar or fitting, and it tends to make us look askance or dismissively at other streams. For the next little bit, Don't approach this to discover who is right and who is wrong, but rather to grasp how each of the many groups within the church has learned and loves to pray. At the end of this journey, we'll reflect on what we've learned and how to apply it to our own life with Christ. For now, let's explore and ask some pointed questions, starting with, can we pray to statues? or to the Virgin Mary, or to the saints? This is a good question, because it reveals many denominational, Protestant, Roman Catholic, and Eastern Orthodox theological distinctions and prejudices. As I noted just before, those of us who have been raised primarily in one tradition and don't have experience in the others often have really strong and usually negative opinions about how other people pray. This is true even among friends within the Protestant denominations, within the various historical streams in Eastern Orthodoxy, and within the various expressions of Roman Catholicism. Let's take an example. Is it permissible for a Christian to pray to saints or to the Virgin Mary rather than directly to God. For Roman Catholics and Eastern Orthodox Christians, the answer is a resounding yes. They do this as a normal part of their Christian life. A very few modern Protestants do also, but most would consider it a kind of idolatry. So let me unpack and explain it a bit. My goal, again, is not to promote or attack the practice but to understand what it is really about. It may not be quite what we thought it was. There are two issues to the question we just heard. To be blunt, is it okay to pray to dead people, saints or otherwise? And is it okay to pray to or at statues or icons of dead people? We'll start with statues and icons, and we'll return to praying to dead people in a little while. Christians have been arguing about statues and icons in the church 
since the early church began. Those who are opposed to statues and icons are called iconoclasts. They usually base their objections on the commandment that begins, You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. A strict application of this would prohibit icons, statues, most stained glass, oil and watercolor paintings, pencil and crayon drawings, lawn statuary, now there's a thought, and even photography of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. That's a pretty comprehensive ban. And as a side note, one enforced by much of Islam worldwide. A less stringent reading would suggest that images are acceptable in and of themselves, but we must not bow down to them or serve them. This interpretation is the most common one across nearly all of Christianity today, although there have been periods and countries where the strict view was enforced and ardent iconoclasts destroyed nearly all icons and statuary in churches. You can read that history on your own. Note, however, that the most common Christian view today includes both those who permit and those who oppose statues and icons in their churches. How can this be? Well, there are exceptions and nuances in this debate, The primary reason statues and icons are opposed is due to a misunderstanding of their purpose. This opposition is almost exclusively from modern Protestant Christians, who often assume, or were taught, that people pray to the statue or icon, that people worship the statue or icon, that people worship the saint depicted by the statue or icon. These are all simply incorrect. In both the Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox churches, the primary purpose of statues and icons, in addition to the beauty they bring to a sanctuary, is to remind Christians of the lives of faithful followers of Jesus who lived before us and to encourage today's Christians to be similarly faithful. In earlier eras, when few people could read, statues and icons and larger paintings and stained glass windows were the books of the day to tell the gospel stories and to recall the history of the church in the lives of the saints. They are the Bible and church history told through art rather than in words. There's a very famous 19th century statue of St. Francis of Assisi by Giovanni Graziani. In it, he wears a rustic garment. He's barefoot. The wounds in his side and hands, which are visible in this statue, are stigmata, representative of Christ's wounds at the crucifixion. Francis was said to have been given these stigmata, these wounds, miraculously during prayer and the wound in his side often bled and stained his robe. The skull under his Bible represents death, 
which all men must face, but from which Christ redeemed us. Other signs are present, the Bible, a rosary, a bird, a cross, a halo. Looking at the statue reminds us of his character, perhaps even encourages us to be holy and to simplify our own lives. That is the key to understanding the use of statues of saints in churches. The statue is a three-dimensional teaching and encouragement to holiness. That is its primary purpose. But what about the worship of the saint? Is that a part of the purpose of the statue? Simply, no. Both Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox traditions encourage the veneration of the saints, but not their worship. This is a huge distinction. Worship is reserved for God alone. To venerate simply means to regard with profound respect. The veneration of the saint is encouraged because they are people whose lives can help us learn and grow in our own faith. They are good examples. To venerate means to look at their example as an encouragement for how to live as a follower of Jesus. Are there Christians who actually worship saints or attribute magical powers to statues in church? Yes. But this error is not what is officially nor normatively taught or encouraged by the church. And both Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox teaching would consider this error indeed to be error. Well, what about icons? What is their purpose? First, to tell a story or depict a saint, as with other forms of art, as we just described. But icons have taken on another special role in the prayer life of many Christians. Said simply, they are a point of focus, a window into heaven, to help the people who are praying to deepen their relationship with God and their comprehension of Scripture. To begin to understand the use of an icon, let's look at a famous, probably the most famous icon in all of history. It's called Trinity by Andrei Rublev. This may well be the most famous of all icons. It represents the three angels or the three persons who came to visit Abraham and Sarah. And the story that it unfolds beyond Abraham and Sarah, bringing in even the elements of the temple and of Jesus, are quite extraordinary. But you'll have to wait until next time to learn what is really told here in Trinity by Andrei Rublev. We'll look forward to that, George. Thank you. By the way, if you already have a copy of What We Believe and Why, the artwork that is being referenced is depicted in the book. Or you can find these famous works of art online. Now, if you don't have a copy of the book, now's a good time to swing by the website whatwebelieveandwhy.com. It's available there in paperback, ebook, even an audiobook format. We encourage you to check out the resources on that site as well. Next time, we'll continue our discussion of prayer. We hope you're going to join us for What We Believe and Why. 